electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pot. Jobs rose in February more than expected, likely keeping the Fed's foot on the gas pedal when it comes to interest rates. Harvard's Jason Furman. The Fed should go 50 basis points. I think it probably will go 50 basis points. Meanwhile, fears of a broad financial contagion spread after tech leader Silicon Valley Bank set off alarm bells over liquidity concerns. CNBC's Hugh Sun. This is like 2008, but only for crypto and startups. Plus, credit card companies are pausing work on a new firearms merchant code meant to combat gun violence. Amalgamated CEO Priscilla Sims-Brown on the effort. I don't talk to anybody, any of my peers who say, look, we we don't care about this. What I hear people saying is it's complicated. There's misinformation out there. It's difficult. It is Friday, March 10th, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Silicon Valley Bank worrying investors after losing more than half of its value yesterday. SVB Financial is the company behind the prominent startup lender. Now, this isn't a bank for you and me and our checking accounts. Silicon Valley Bank funds new early-stage companies and is the only publicly traded bank to do so. SVB says it works with half of U.S. venture-backed startups. Yesterday, the stock dropped 60% after SVB announced a plan to raise more than $2 billion to help offset losses on bond sales driven by rising interest rates. Now, numerous reports say some venture capital firms, including Peter Thiel's Founders Fund, have suggested that their portfolio companies move all their money out of the bank, pull their deposits. SVB's CEO held a call with clients yesterday aimed at calming their fears and maybe preventing a bank run. But the route in shares, it bled over to the biggest U.S. banks, dragging them down. The KBW Bank Index, that is a benchmark of the banking sector. It tracks about 24 different financial institutions' stocks. That index posted its biggest drop since the pandemic, leading us to a familiar and scary word, contagion. Hugh Sun, CNBC.com banking reporter. Good morning to you. I, to me, it's not even clear to me that, um, you know, Silicon Valley Bank unto itself would be a problem insofar as when you have people like Peter Thiel telling their founders, you got to you got to get your money out. That unto itself can create a run. Yeah. So, Andrew, I've spent the, uh, you know, yesterday afternoon into the evening talking to founders, talking to VCs. Uh, and the consensus is people are saying, uh, we don't know if Silicon Valley Bank is really under duress or, or uh, going uh, to have issues, but we don't want to wait around to find out. If you're going to panic, it's best to panic early. You don't want to be last in line to trying to get your money out. And so there have been uh, you know, all portfolio company emails sent from the likes of Founders Funds uh, and other prominent uh, VCs who are saying, you know, if, if, uh, if you've got more than 250K, it's, it's best to move it around. 
and I spoke to one founder who who did so and, and said, you know, it took about five clicks. It wasn't very hard to do on their online uh, banking platform uh, and was able to get their money out. Now, there are other anecdotes of, of people who have had issues with wire transfers not going in quickly uh, and not going in smoothly. And so there could be some breaks in the system. Also, some uh, anecdotes of people having trouble logging on uh, in the afternoon. So that could indicate there's a lot of traffic uh, on the Silicon Valley website. How, how concerned should people be, not just though about Silicon Valley uh, Bank itself, but whether we think there's a contagion, whether we think this is going to spread? So, so this the takeaway I've had from the people I talked to is this is like 2008, but only for crypto and startups. And so the hope is that it stays there. Um, I think the concern in terms of knock-on effect is, you know, I talked to a founder last night who said, I don't have any money at SVP. Um, I, I was told to, to pull it out if I did, but I don't have any exposure there. However, I'm trying to extend uh, a debt refinancing and Silicon Valley Bank and others were specialists in this and they're not doing it anymore and it's risk off. And so I'm not going to be able to make payroll potentially in, in the next coming weeks if I can't do this refinancing. Term sheets for startups are going to get pulled uh, in this person's estimation. And so the knock-on effect is you could have, and we've speculated for a while that there needs to be an event in which all of these unprofitable startups that exist uh, that were created in the, in the zero money uh, you know, interest uh, era uh, need to actually you know, be, need, there needs to be a reckoning there. And it's possible that this is a thing that incites that. It is not clear. I want to be you know, careful to say that, but in terms of knock-on effects, I would look there first. Hey, Hugh, I, look, I think this is a bigger issue. I, you start looking through what, what happens, and Jim Cramer talked about this yesterday when we spoke with him on our air. Uh, he said there are cracks everywhere. This is what happens when you have the Fed raising rates. You have liquidity getting drawn in, and it's probably not surprising that one of the places that this would be an issue would either be a crypto bank or a bank that specializes in, in tech startups that are having problems getting money elsewhere, so they need their money back. But I, I do think there's a bigger problem that this is highlighting. And if you look at any of the big banks yesterday that were down 7.8%, you're looking week-to-date numbers here, Citigroup down 8% for the week-to-date, Bank of America down 11%, Wells Fargo down by 13%, J.P. Morgan was down significantly, Schwab was down 11 or 12% yesterday. And it's because a lot of these banks hold something, you know, they, they, it's an accounting rule that says these banks can hold bonds and not mark them mark to market. They can mark them hold to maturity, which is fine. If you plan on holding some of these bonds that you've been holding all along to maturity, you can do that. And those are your best plans that you're holding all these bonds to maturity. But if you have customers who want their money back, you can't hold them to maturity. You have to sell them. And in some cases at a very big loss because bond prices have been collapsing this year as the Fed has raised interest rates. I think that's when you look at some of the bigger banks, what the concern is. People are just digging through. And this may be a case of sell now, ask questions later. But people are digging through, looking for these hold to maturity sort of situations where the accounting numbers are valuing the bonds at a much higher level than they'd be worth if you were forced to sell them today. Yeah, yeah Becky, you're absolutely right. So the issue uh, with the potential unrealized losses on, on bond portfolios, uh, bonds obviously worth less as the Fed has been aggressively uh, hiking rates. I, I want to say it is possible that you know, the market is sniffing out. Uh, if you look at the shares of First Republic and a few other players, it's trying to sniff out the other folks who may be stressed in this situation. And I think um, if, if you want to be you know, somewhat conservative about this, you could say only the banks with the greatest exposure 
uh, you know, in this case, you know, obviously the crypto uh, in the case, uh, you know, uh, earlier of Silvergate, but now in terms of Silicon Valley Bank uh, to startups, you know, their their funding base is, you know, is VCs and startups. Right. And this is not a diverse group. These are momentum followers. They're people who, uh, you know, who talk to each other. And so they're moving in mass uh, is certainly what it seems like. And you, so that is really the critical issue. It's it's not certainly the case with, you know, B of A or, uh, you know, obviously J.P. Morgan, other big banks where, you, you know, the funding is so diverse. What are you about, about one of the big banks coming in to effectively buy Silicon Valley Bank? There's been a, a bunch of speculation out there now that we will see some form of a rescue of the company, uh, hopefully not from the federal government, at least not yet. Of course, General Atlantic just put money into the into the bank 48 hours ago. Or, I mean, this is a big venture capital fund unto itself that was trying that was trying to actually make up the the shortfall that was supposed to give confidence, frankly, to customers. Andrew, it just shows you how quickly this has escalated. That people are already talking about the potential need for a bailout, and you know, as a potential endgame, that's kind of where people's minds goes. Like I said, you know, this is a mini 2008, but for crypto and for startups. And so the idea potentially would be some kind of uh, regulator brokered uh, deal. And so, um, you know, the people I talked to have to have said that the regulators have to be aware of the situation. Clearly, they've seen the headlines. And so uh, if it gets to that, Andrew, uh, there's no indication that it has. But apart from, you know, Bill Ackman tweeting that, you know, that this is something that needs to be done, um, you know, th th this is potentially an end game for this. It is uh, speculative to say so on, on on live television, but this is being discussed. Yes. And then, and then the other thing I was just gonna gonna ask you is whether you think that those folks, a lot of these uh, uh, venture folks who are pulling their money out, they have investments in other banks, in rival banks, and there's a conversation that's been going on uh, overnight about whether this is actually. Uh, just a, almost a competitive situation, meaning meaning that there are there are invest there are venture capitalists who are trying to hurt this bank in particular to help themselves. It would be uh, like take a shotgun to your own face. Uh, uh, so Silicon Valley Bank is so central in the startup ecosystem. Uh, you know they've been extending debt. Uh, you know to to all of these companies. As a result, I believe they own equity stakes in, uh, you know, in, in a spectrum of, of, star, of the startup world. Um, you know, the knock-on Im impacts of that, it would be hard to conceive. And if and if they, you know, there's such a central role in this ecosystem, I don't think, um, you know, uh, you know, a founder would do that. I mean, this is uh, this is hard to conceive of, Andrew. Hugh, it's um, it's good to see you. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more this morning throughout the day and throughout the next couple of days as uh, we see how this story plays itself out. Thanks. A big headline today, the monthly jobs number from the Labor Department. The U.S. economy created 311,000 jobs in the month of February. The unemployment rate rose to 3.6 percent. This was a deceleration from the striking January pace of 500,000-plus jobs for that month, but still stronger than expected, in spite of all that the Federal Reserve has done to slow down the economy and tamp down inflation. Remember, eight interest rate hikes. We still have this push-pull of a hot labor market and record-high price inflation and worries of recession. Our economy... It's not following the script. 
CNBC's Rick Santelli covers the bond market. And this market is so sensitive to any sign of less than rosy news on the jobs front, any hint that the Fed's aggression is paying off. So a stumble in the total rate of unemployment? The market breathes a sigh of relief, a really small one. Here's Rick responding to today's jobs number. If we look at what's going on, interest rates on tens are going down, interest rates on twos are below 470, and the stock market is gyrating a bit in the Dow futures, but it is moving up a bit. And we need to obviously consider all the flight to safety that has distorted uh, many of these metrics, especially on the Treasury side. And the very simple reason is, you know, we had the biggest punch bowl in world history for many years. Then we had COVID hit and we threw a bunch of money into the global economy and specifically the U.S. economy. Banks were flushed. They purchased a lot of securities, uh, much more in the securities camp than what they tried to loan out when they were flushed with all these deposits. Well, with rates moving up and money markets so competitive, they're losing deposits. Our Squawk Box anchors Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin tackled the jobs data today and its impact on central bank policy with former economic advisor in the Obama White House, Jason Furman. Here's Becky. How does the Fed look at this? You have a jobs number that's stronger than expected, 311 versus 225, but the average hourly earnings uh, up by just 0.2 percent versus the 0.3, 0.4 that the street had been expecting. At least maybe that's a sign that inflation um, is cooling a bit from expectations there. Look, I think the big picture here is absent a really favorable surprise on inflation next week. The Fed should go 50 basis points. I think it probably will go 50 basis points. The biggest picture, the highest quality data you get from the jobs report is the jobs number. Last year, it had slowed to about 275,000 a month. In the last three months, that pace has risen to 350,000. You can tell all sorts of special stories, but some of those stories would have said you should have lower job growth this month. If hiring is pulled forward to January, it should be lower um, in February. The hey, unemployment uh, rate, but the participation rate. I got to interrupt you just for one second because it looks like Silicon Valley Bank uh, is now the stock suspended awaiting news. Um, we've been talking about this bank all morning, uh, the possibility of uh, what's happened there. General Atlantic, of course, making that investment just in the last 48 hours. Um, and yet the stock has uh, fallen about 70 percent also in the last 48 hours. Uh, lots of questions about contagion. We just talked to the White House. They said they're keeping their eyes on that uh, company as well. And uh, whether this is going to impact other regional banks, uh, we're going to be uh, monitoring this. But just wanted to... Uh, make a mention of that crossing the tape. Jason, let's go back to what you were just saying, because it plays into what Andrew just talked about with this news. You, you think that the Fed is going to raise by 50 basis points. That is going to put additional pressure on any of the banks that are holding maturities, um, you know, waiting till they, to wait, wait, holding on to these things for maturity, any of these treasuries instead of that, or not just treasuries, I guess other bonds too. That's the question. Are, the, are there cracks in the financial system that are coming from the Fed raising rates so quickly and so far? Look, I thought when they went to 75 a meeting for several meetings in a row, I liked that from a macro perspective, but I was very nervous about what might break in the financial system. Um, it turns out that worked just fine. From a macro perspective, it was not enough to to get inflation under control, so you need to do more. As we push up, and I think rates are going to go to six this year, and they could go even higher this year or next year if inflation doesn't come under control, um, 
you know, are, are we going to see more cracks in the financial system? Probably. But the answer is not to change your interest rates. It's to deal with it through financial supervision. If a bank fails, you merge it into another bank. We know how to do that. Their primary job is getting this inflation rate down. Cheese will be next. Next, credit card companies pause a plan to implement a new firearms merchant code. We'll talk to Priscilla Sims-Brown, the bank CEO who was a proponent of the new sales code. It doesn't give us visibility into exact transactions. We don't know what you purchased. What we know because of this is where you purchased it. And we understand that there are patterns related to where you purchase it that help us to detect or to flag suspicious activity. More Squawk Pod right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Amex, Visa, and MasterCard have decided to pause implementing a plan that activists had hoped would track firearm sales and help curb gun violence. All the way back in 2018, our very own Andrew Ross Sorkin wrote in a New York Times column that banks and credit card companies could create a new merchant category code for gun-related transactions at stores that sell firearms which ideally would allow these companies to flag suspicious activity. Now, interestingly, banks are legally obligated to scrub transactions to help identify domestic terrorism. And the financial industry uses distinct codes for dozens of different types of merchants, but there are none for gun stores. Priscilla Sims-Brown, chief executive officer of Amalgamated Bank, has also helped lead the push to implement the new merchant category code. And she joined our TV broadcast today. Here's Andrew. A real setback yesterday. So what happened here and what do you think happens next? Look, it's a, an interesting time. It feels like the march to um, financial services firms being able to actually eradicate or help to eradicate um, illegal behavior occurring on our systems has taken a bit of a pause. But it's a long journey. Um, we've been at this for three years. We've actually been at the larger issue for 100 years. Right. And... Um, there will be from time to time setbacks. What I'm hoping is that these firms are looking for better ways to get the same job done, better ways to be effective uh, in what identifying. What do you mean by that? Well, they, what they've said to us, um, at least in the public reports you and I have read, right. is that um, they would like to 
uh, or, or that they're concerned about the effectiveness of the process. So my hope is that by pausing, they're looking for ways to make suspicious activity reporting more effective in their systems. But do you think they're trying to do that, or do you think that the political backlash to, to tracking anything related to guns at all, and in this case, trying to identify suspicious activity that could very well be illegal, and that's, that's, that's genuinely all, all, all this would do, but the fact that that's not even on the table uh, and is now so confused by certain states trying to choose certain approaches over other states that they're saying, you know what, it's not even worth us even trying to do this at all. W what gives you any view that, the, that they're trying to do it in a more effective way? Well, I think look, they're trying to do it, not do it at all. Uh, the, what gives me hope on all of this is the legal obligation we have to report suspicious activity, to also, the code has been assigned. There is a code for merchant. Uh, a merchant category code for gun stores. My hope is that people will look to the legislation that was bipartisan legislation that was just passed not long ago, which um, makes illegal activity related to straw purchases and gun trafficking uh, something that, that we should address. And so um, we have an obligation as financial services firms to do that. I understand that there's misinformation out there. I understand that there are political issues out there, but, that, but I'm not a political pundit. What I would say is if a bipartisan group in Congress has um, set legislation against these things, it's incumbent upon us right. to follow the law. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the liability should be for a bank that underwrites a credit card that's used in a mass shooting? Or, 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 or straw purchase? Look, no bank on either side of this issue um, wants to see straw purchases and gun trafficking and illegal activity happening. I'm convinced of that. I don't talk to anybody, any of my peers who say, look, we, we don't care about this. What I hear people saying is it's complicated. There's misinformation out there. It's difficult. It's ineffective in the current process. And because of that, I need to take a pause and figure out how to get this done right. So can I tell you, I hear something very different. Okay, what do you hear? I hear privately, uh, we, we don't want straw purchases to happen. We don't want mass shootings to happen. We don't want all this stuff to happen. However, if we implement uh, any of these things, uh, we're going to get, uh, it, we become a political football uh, in certain states who are going to prevent us from, uh, you know, underwriting municipal bonds in their state, uh, from other other types of uh, business that we could capture or not, or that there's going to be a, a backlash and that they will be canceled. Talk about cancel culture. They will, that the companies will be canceled by, frankly, Republicans, oftentimes who've now said that they don't like cancel culture. That's, that's what I hear. I would say to that that that's the, the, the source of all of that is this misinformation that the best way to address that is to make sure that everyone understands what this code does and what it doesn't do. It doesn't give us visibility into exact transactions. We don't know what right. you've purchased. What we know because of this is where you purchased it. And we understand that there are patterns related to where you purchase it and, and, and your behavior in purchasing it that help us to detect or to flag suspicious activity. Right. That is what it is. It is not a violation of your Second Amendment rights. It's not going to um, alert people of legal purchases. It's not going to hurt legal gun owners. 
And as people understand that, then they can influence the powers that be. But you, you've, you've heard what the NRA has to say about this, right? They think this is a system to, to track all gun purchases. Yes, but there's no tracking. There's no underlying data. The data is where you bought the item. And if you bought the item at a gun store, right. we are legally obliged to assign the merchant category code that most closely um, identifies the primary right. business that you're and in. And just to be clear so everyone understands, every other kind of store in America has a merchant category code, exactly. except for gun stores. That's right. That's right. Hundreds of them. And we use these codes today to alert authorities of suspicious activity that's occurring across our rails, whether it be uh, money laundering, whether it be human trafficking. Um, we are hand our, ties our hands are tied behind our back in doing so as relates to gun-related crimes, straw purchases, gun uh, trafficking that goes from one state to another, uh, mass shootings. These are pat there are patterns of behavior. You've pointed them out. Um, in the case of the Las Vegas shooting, $95,000 put on credit cards right. in multiple gun stores prior to the crime. These are the kinds of things that we're trying to identify ahead of time. Right. That's common sense. I don't think anybody should disagree with that, whether you are right. a legal gun owner or right. not. Priscilla, I want to thank you. Uh, and I do want to remind the audience, just I will say it, more children die from gun deaths than cancer, automobiles, or anything else. And for reasons that seem inexplicable, we seem to uh, not want to deal with it. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that is Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share this podcast with a friend. Help us spread the word. We will meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.